The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. I am Emily Swallow, also known as the Armorer on The Mandalorian. And I'm just giving a little shout out to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast because this is the way. You're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars episode 135. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a dead. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember... The Force will be with you, always. Hello there, everyone. I'm Mike Creevy, a.k.a. Old Ben, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Please be sure to share this podcast on Twitter and Facebook, and let us know how we're doing by leaving us a review. Tonight, we're digging into Episode 8 of Andor, Narkina 5. That's the title of the episode. A light-hearted and slapstick roller coaster of fun and silliness. Oops, wrong script. Uh, joining me tonight to unpack all of this are Jason Yuji. Hello, Jason. Hello, I'm glad to be back. I'm oh, glad to have you. Uh, we also have Josh Bigley with us. Hey, Josh, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fine. And I am excited to introduce Catherine Laffrey for your first episode on The Secrets of Star Wars. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you for having me. When I was telling these guys before we started, now I feel like all this pressure because I have our, our our newer members of the team here tonight. So I want to I want to do a good job and make this a good experience for them as best I can. So so I'm happy to, to be here with you guys. Um, I don't know. I want to ask you first. We typically do this most of the time. I unfortunately don't have anything to report for the ham solo segment. So I don't know if any of you do for <laughs> any Delhi adventures recently. If if not, that's OK. Not this week. <laughs> I, I typically tie it. Well, you know what I should have done if, if I had uh, if I had been buying lunch meat, I would have gone with Keith Gergo. That's my newest uh, silly Star Wars name. So uh, I'll tell you, Cassian's getting a lot of mileage out of that alias. So <laughs> but um, uh, we, I was looking at news, too, but there's some speculation, I, you know, and I'm going to just I think save us probably some time but it's it's exciting there is some speculation about upcoming shows of course um but then some supposedly some upcoming films did you guys see any of that news floating around out there other than the tv series coming out i haven't seen anything about movies i i I don't know i don't have it in front of me here but um there's i i well basically i just don't want to get my heart broken because they're starting to talk about you know feature films again and as much as i love the shows um i think sitting in the theater watching star wars is uh pretty tough to top i don't know what do you guys think of that the, the difference of the experience well i don't understand why they said before they said that they were going to be done with the saga series and now i'm seeing a, a episode 10 on the on the news feeds and yeah. Uh, I think the director of Lost or the writer, I'm not sure, but he was uh I think he's tied to it and that they're writing it now, but they're calling it episode 10. It's uh I don't know if they've just decided to I don't know, we'll see. Yeah, it's always speculation, but if they've decided to recognize 
And I saw that uh, Oscar Isaacs is tied to it also. So that's oh, is he? Uh, okay. Yeah. I just heard, I heard like, you know, sequel trilogy characters like in talks, but uh, didn't know who, I mean, that, that could include a lot of people. I mean, technically um, it looks like from the trailers, at least that, um, Oh, just lost his name or the little, the little guy from uh, rise of Skywalker. Oh my goodness. Babu? Yeah. Babu, Babu Freak. Isn't he, isn't he in like, um, it looks like in the trailer for Mandalorian season three, there was a brief yeah, little yeah. shot of him. So yeah. he, or she, I don't know if it's a, a guy or a girl that doesn't really matter. A little, <laughs> it's, it's a, a great Christmas, uh, you know, sales item. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, let's, let's jump into this episode. Um, so just a, a quick little brief synopsis, uh, a recap of the episode. We have, uh, of course, picked up here with Cassian, uh, right where we left off in episode, uh, episode seven where we get this really uh gripping kind of edge of your seat uh anxiety producing at least if you're me you're just sort of you feel like you're riding with him as he's just you know um uh, checked into his uh his his prison uh transport and he's sent to narkeen of five he doesn't know anything about where it is what's going on um and so you you have this kind of interweaving through the episode of his integration into this this imperial prison facility which is just a really interesting place. We're going to talk more about that in the episode, the overall aesthetic of it, um, the feel of, of this place. And, and um, there's some really interesting um, contrast I, I, I'm hoping to get into. But we, of course, see his story. We see the developing investigation that um, that Miro is launching. She brings in Cyril, which I think we all knew that he was going to kind of come into this more deeply. Um, he has been filing false reports at his new job. <laughs> just to deliberately trigger the ISB's interest in the hopes that he can make his case. Um, and he starts to make some progress in that uh, that direction. We'll break that down a little more as well. Uh, Miro is starting to gain some some traction in that investigation. Uh, we also then get uh, back to Ferrix for a little bit, where we see kind of what's going on there in the aftermath of everything that's happened. Um, Marva, who fancies herself a rebel, but she's uh, also in kind of rough shape. She's... she's uh, uh, having some uh, injuries like she's a fall she's just you know and she's she's in her uh, later years and there's there's just a lot of um uh, challenges that that Bix and Brasso seem to have with trying to help her and also you know protect her as well uh, and then we have not much with with Mon Mothma this episode but we're getting we get a little taste of her ongoing attempt to work with her friend Tay in the secretive banking kind of deal to get some funds for the rebellion uh, and then, of course, we'll, we'll, I'm sure, get into this as well. The uh, long-awaited uh, reintroduction of Saw Gerrera uh, back into the fold here with Luthen paying him a visit um, and trying to get Saw a little more involved and, and more integrated into this this rebel cause. You know, so I think, are you does that cap it pretty well, do you guys think? <laughs> pretty overall sort of set the table here for us. Those are the big themes. Indeed. <laughs> So let me just let me ask you guys, um, what did you think about um, this this introduction back to the the top of the order here with uh, Cassian's uh, entry into this this prison system here? Maybe, Catherine, I might go to you first on that. Um, It was interesting to watch and then watching a few YouTube videos about it. um, My first reaction was it was uh, Shawshank meets uh, Schindler's List. Wow, yeah. <laughs> and uh, a couple other people had mentioned that. I mean, with them taking their shoes off, which is 
very much what happened in Germany when they took all their shoes and then uh, put, oh, when they were on the transport, it sounded like a train. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, they're going for all that same feel. I mean, at the same time, it was like neat that there was that the connection. But the first thing I thought of was, is this an AI script? Because it felt so piecemeal. Mm. And so it was like, there's times where it's like, I love it. And there's times where I'm really frustrated with it. So. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, there's times where it's like, yeah, okay, that's really cool. But why are we doing this again? Like, um, like, uh, what's his name? Jem being the one to show Cassian his cell and mm. talk him through everything. It was just like red and Shawshank with right. Andy. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, it's like deja vu, but you know, in a yeah. wider, cleaner environment with, you know, clean floors. And it was just kind of right. Yeah, right. It's moments. <laughs> That's a good question. It's like, where is the, where, where does it maybe potentially cross a line with anything, right. From like an homage into just like, copy and pay actually you guys ever watch the, the pitch meeting videos that guy on youtube that does pitch meeting because i think he says that in one episode where he's like talking to the, you know, the screenwriters like oh it's an homage and the producer's like what's that he's like it's where you hit control c and control v on your keyboard <laughs> it's like uh <laughs> so yeah that can be tricky you know uh, josh well, how they, about you oh sorry no jason you go ahead sorry well i was just gonna piggyback off that where they Man. they've done that a lot with uh mandalorian you know uh every episode had its own theme. He had the Western theme and the, the, the big monster theme and the, uh, Akira Kurosawa. Did I say that right? Mm -hmm. Uh, that theme, you know, when Ahsoka's fighting the magistrate and stuff like that. So each episode had a different theme, you know, almost like it's a, its own movie of, of a, of a different genre. And they're, they're taken from those movies and making it, the same and then obi-wan kenobi they basically copied every episode of the movies the original you know the prequel right. trilogy and the original trilogy every episode sort of matched in line with that so i really think that they are doing something similar whether it's ai or not i i, I don't i wouldn't necessarily go that far but you know technology is pretty amazing today so <laughs> and it's interesting for me from an artist perspective there's times when we we use past images like in iconography and things like that mm -hmm. but then this feels like taking an icon and trying to make it photorealistic mm. and it loses its mystery it loses the depth of meaning because it's trying to be too real mm. And so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's strange how it's like, this is the first time I'm not super excited about a Star Wars episode. Oh, okay. It reminds me of some of the books that I'll read once, start, because I'm really into the Star Wars books. I'll right, read once, right, but right. won't go back to, where it's like, anything by Timothy Zahn, I've probably reread four times just because I love the sure. story. <laughs> sure. How about you, Josh? What do you, what do you think? I feel bad now because I have a different perspective on it. I oh, thought no, it was for. actually really good because it was paying an homage to the original trilogy with how the Empire was then. They were mm -hmm. very much Nazi-like in how they ran things. They saw it sure. as if you even stood slightly out of line, you were put into labor and you were put in jail. That's mm -hmm. how it worked. And while I haven't seen things like Shawshank Redemption or Schindler's List, so I'm not fully understanding that relation, <laughs> but 
I, I don't know. I just see it as they're re-showing the Empire at its true form of what it is. Sure. Well, do you guys, I think, would you guys agree that it, it's like, it seems like this is, this, this is this clearly the, the kind of system that you would expect. Like if you peeled back, you know, the onion a little bit there, you know, like if you look at the original or trilogy, like, like Josh was saying, it's sort of like, you know, jump out of it for a second over to, you know, the different uh, prison systems and planets and penal systems, whatever you want to call it, that, that make that kind of empire possible. <laughs> I mean, I, I saw someone online basically saying that uh, you have these guys in this room. It was an interesting observation. Like they're literally making cogs in the machine. <laughs> you know, for, for the, um, for the Imperial, you know, system. So, um, I mean, what, what do you think of that? Just as far as the, the, maybe say the fittingness of it within the actual, you know, kind of canon story. Well, I noticed a little bit of a difference with those, with those guards, very different from what we're used to seeing the ISB and stormtroopers who are very regimented. Everything's got its place. Everybody's in line. Everybody's got their, their form. But these guys were out of whack. I mean, they were way chaotic. You know, when they were telling, like when in that scene, when they're telling Keith Gergo to get ready to go into his room, they're stop, move, go, go, stop, move now. And, right. you know, it's very fast, very, I wouldn't, I, what do you want me to do, man? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to do. So it's, and then when they put him in the room, they say, you know, the, the leader says they won't be back. They're not coming back today. Hmm. They've got their control with the floor. They're good. Mm -hmm. So they're going to go off and drink coffee and do whatever they need to do. I don't know. But they, they didn't seem as structured as what I'm used to as from the Imperials themselves. Hmm. Well, and I think with, you know, maybe just shifting here to, I'm not just going to call him Cassian because <laughs> this is alias <laughs> Keefe. Um, I'll tell you what, though, he's he's getting better with it, right? Because he was he delayed. He was, of course, stunned when he was first arrested in the last episode. And they're calling his name. He's not getting it. Now he's like really on top of it. He's like, what's your name? Keefe. Uh, Keefe. <laughs> it's like too suspicious. But with with Cassian, um, this I'll just just share kind of from my perspective on it, which I, th I think is nothing special. It's, it's pretty obvious. This definitely seems to be his, his real low point. I think so far, you know, where, and it, I, I think it's interesting the way they've done this. Cause I don't know that I saw this coming yeah, We knew in the trailer that he would be in prison. Um, cause you just, you know, you saw some prison scenes and stuff, but, um, the, the fact that he was caught for something completely like unrelated, you know, that it's like this, this accident and he all like the money he made away absconded with, you know, and everything from the, the, um, uh, attack on Aldani, it's gone. Like he's just completely, you know, back to, you know, um, like as if he had never done any of that, you know, and here he is. Um, and he says nothing, right? Like the guy says to him, what are you in for? And he says, or he says, what did you do? And he's like, nothing. Um, not quite true. Right. I mean, there's a few things he should be in prison for according to the empire and maybe even worse so um would you guys just uh, kind of you know, get off of him in this episode as far as his what he's struggling with about this particular situation 
my biggest frustration started in the episode before when he kept saying, I'm a tourist, I'm a tourist. And it's like, we're supposed to believe him as innocent. And quite honestly, from any characters in Rogue One, he's the last person I wanted any backstory on. Mm. I was not interested in him then. I felt like he was just yeah. doing what he did for the girl. And oh, it wasn't okay. like, I don't even feel, I don't even consider him a true rebel. It just doesn't okay. feel, he doesn't, it just feels like he's always in it for the wrong reason. And it's, you know, it's like he has somewhat of a uh, thief on the cross moment in Rogue One. Somewhat, but it's like, at the same time, with him trying to be innocent, being in jail, that's the one point where it definitely deviates from Shawshank and Schindler's list. He's not mm. innocent. And right. I don't like feeling like, I almost feel like I'm being spoon-fed, oh, he's a poor innocent in jail. And it's like, no, he's not. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> he's not. <laughs> How about you guys? What do you think? Is karma real? I mean, <laughs> as Catholics, we don't believe that, but you know, that's a, it, it, it's almost like they wrote, wrote that in there that karma yeah. got him. You know, if he's not going to get arrested for, uh, knocking over the, the garrison, he's mm-hmm. going to get arrested for looking backwards when at <laughs> on the beach. Right. That's something, yeah, he gets, he, you know, so the very first scene that we have him in the show, you know, he, you know, accidentally kills the one guy, but then, like, just full on, like, executes the, the other dude, like, in fear yeah. and again, runs away and, you know, right off the bat. And then, that be, the, you know, the big heist and everything. And, yeah, it's just like, are you part of it? Part of what? <laughs> it's like, why are you sweating? It's hot out, you know, so like, it's just completely, yeah. What, uh, how about you, Josh? Any other? thoughts just on his sort of state of mind here in prison i feel like he's just seen as another common person at this point in the empire as well it's like they in this episode we learned about the prd act where random people you know what defines you being guilty or doing something against the empire which draws that line of like what yeah like what is wrong to do then and you know, they also said whenever he did nothing, he was like, there's a lot of you in here now who mm. are like that. Or people are just, you know, standing by and then got pulled off and now they're doing labor in Narkina 5. I think uh, one thing I did like, like's a weird word to use. One thing I thought was, was correct, <laughs> you know, or, or something to consider with the mentality of the Empire here is this sort of punishing everybody else thing, right? Like, cause that's again, another one of these connections to, you know, uh, I mean, name it, but you know, we think of Nazis, you think of um, Maximilian Kolbe, you know, for example, right. Stepping up in that circumstance where they were going to execute prisoners because somebody had escaped, you know, same kind of thing, right. You know, if you, if you know, you cross the line, we're going to punish everybody else, which, uh, I mean, opens up a whole pretty obvious conversation from the Catholic perspective on, you know, what constitutes justice, right? <laughs> I mean, like rendering to someone their due. Well, this is way beyond that, of course. So, um, actually, let me ask you guys on that note: What do you think of that conversation then with with Mon Mothma and those other representatives she's talking to about? maybe some of those bigger picture things like what is justice what is you know security all these those kinds of things it just seemed like disconnected politics as it's been for 
perpetual in history. It's just like, yeah, the same old disconnected politicians from reality. Now, as how it is, none of them can seem to agree on anything. You know, it's like, there's nothing we can really do about it. It's just like, he's putting in this act. He's like, but he's a great speaker, but <laughs> yeah. that, that's all that he has for him, really, is that no one really likes what he's been doing. What what did one man's husband say? So it was something like, uh, it's like you go like, uh, you know, like, um, like feed the hungry. I'm going to go feed myself. It was something like that. Yeah, yeah, charity, charity starts, starts at home. Charity, yeah. Oh my goodness. He's a piece of work. You know, I, I'm, uh, needless to say, not a fan of, I think about Perrin, I think is his name or, or their daughter. Their, their daughter. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand though, why they're so. Like, are you guys getting anything? I really don't get why they don't like her. You know, I like, feel like their whole family has a very weird relationship because from that episode, it also made like it seem like Lita was very curious as to what Tay was doing around the yeah. area more and more. He's like, you seem to be coming here more often. And like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, she's asking Maybe she's question. interrogating for her dad. Mm-hmm. That's exactly Maybe what Maybe she's trying to like. find information. Because it seems like they just have a really bad family relationship of like they don't have it and mon also sort of explained how they're like an arranged marriage as part of their mm. planet's customs yeah and they were married very young almost mm. about as old as lita is right well and there's i i gather like it would i mean it's it seems to me that you know there's he, like her husband's very comfortable i think right you know and it seems like He's been very open about how much he doesn't really care about, you know, that bleeding heart type stuff. Like, he's just very much, you know, go along to get along. We're living comfortable here. Why are you worried about all this, this other stuff? What did he say? I think in like the first or second episode, he's like, he just says something like, why does it have to be so always so sad and boring or something like that? (laughs) But he's all about the party. Yeah, it just seems like he's just like he doesn't want to be associated or maybe they're both embarrassed at being associated with with her kind of trying to stir the pot, you know, which, of course, they've what's funny is they have seemingly no idea of just how much she's really stirring right. it. <laughs> you know, just the uh, the nuisance. Well, I thought she- it was I thought it was weird that she was having to campaign the other senators to get get them to vote. But, you know, I'm not a politician. I've I've never been in you know, any of that, those offices, but I've seen that in, you know, does art imitate life? If, if it does, then I've seen that in movies in Congress and all that where they're, you know, they want to get a bill passed and they've got to try to go out and get support from the other senators and stuff. So, Mm. you know, if, if that is how Mm. it really works in real democracy, well, then they're doing that, but it just seems the bill should stand on its own, in my opinion. If it's if it's worthwhile, then you shouldn't have to ask for support. Maybe that's, I'm maybe reminded that's, of a, maybe that's an ideal, <laughs> but you know. Well, I was, did you guys ever see Amazing Grace? The um, it's it's a pretty good movie. It, it's a uh, loosely based on um, I think it's a um, Eric Metaxas's biography of William Wilberforce, and it's it's about the sort of end of the the slave trade in Britain, like in the last decades of the eighteenth, you know, and early nineteenth century. That it's it sort of tells that story, and um, at one point, like they're they think they're they have the votes to basically get 
basically, you know, the legislation they're trying to get passed, passed and the slave trade. And they're, and they're so close and like everything should work. And there's this one Scottish representative that they're not sure about, but they're, they're a little too confident that they have him. And, uh, he brilliantly gets out of it. Like he, he evade because his, I guess his, um, um, his district is, is sort of a, a more sort of, um, slave trade driven kind of economy. So he, you know, he's dealing with that, but he's also not entirely on board with it. So he basically abstains from it or he, he hits the claim of like, let's talk about this a little bit more. Like, let's take the, the sort of, you know, kind of like step by step paced kind of approach. Like, so he, it's it's a really chilling scene to watch because it's like you totally get where he's coming from from his perspective and he's like covering himself and he's saying the right thing for these people the right thing for those people and i just remember like i think of that scene every now and then with with something like this where it's like are you about the actual issue you know justice the other people or are you just kind of watching yourself you know and i think sin makes a lot of us do that unfortunately <laughs> mm-hmm. oh um do you guys? I want to bring up. Um, uh, is it Kino? I think is that uh, Andy Circus's character here? Yes, Kino, the, Kino. the foreman, a room manager. Yeah, Unit Five. So, what what do you think's going on with this? Have you guys seen this? Of course, the speculation. I'm holding this up. No one listening can see this, but I've got my Snoke. Uh, Angela was making fun of me a little bit, as always. I love it. Uh, we have this thing about me and Snoke. So, uh, of course, not surprisingly, Andy Circus makes another appearance in Star Wars, and everyone assumes it's a Snoke connection. Uh, but when, you know, when Clancy Brown does a new voice yet again in, like, Tales of the Jedi, no one's like, oh, I wonder, is is that somehow also, like, Savage? Or, or? It's like, no, it's just he's an actor who loves Star Wars. So <laughs> what do you guys think about the casting of Andy Serkis here for this? I think he was great as the floor manager leader, or the, the room lead person. Because, I don't know, his, he just has such a way of, like, commanding the room and also, like, making sure they all stay on task and focused. And he's, like, even whenever, and Cassian was taking, like, a quick break, he's just, like, you guys actually have a chance of winning, so, like, don't slack off. <laughs> like, he, he sees what's going on with everyone in the building. And he's, like, I have to get out, but it all depends on you doing good, and everything's a game. Yeah, it's, he he's doing his job for self-preservation but i i think from a leader standpoint he's he's doing pretty good you know you know motivating everybody you know saying you if you're gonna do good it's gonna work out for me so i'm gonna take care of you if you're sick Mm -hmm. call me if you're you know but he's not really he doesn't like emotions (laughs) right (laughs) said if if you if you have an emotional problem keep that to yourself like he seems but otherwise, he's a yeah. pretty good leader. <laughs> oh, he's definitely old school Detroit assembly line. I mean, that- I have <laughs> generations of Detroit assembly line workers in my family and oh, yeah. a lot of automotive workers. So, yes, they're, it felt interwoven with all of their stories and had a great aunt who even worked wartime in the military, like oh, doing wow. the military building and stuff. So she used to talk about floor managers and how they, it is a game. Who's going to be mm. which floor and... Sometimes things slip. They don't always do things the right way because they're trying to get things done fast. And I mean, yeah, it's just interesting. The stories that happen and come in and out of the floor or managers and um, even engineers and how they conflict sometimes Mm. with the way things are made. So like watching the way that they were assembling those parts 
it yeah. made me think right away about, okay, who is the engineer who decided that this has to be done by hand instead of by machine? Yeah. And then it's like, okay, why, why would this one part look symmetrical but can only go in one way when you watch the old guy struggling? Oh, I didn't right. flip it over. And, you know, oh, no, what am I going to do? But, yeah. yeah. And then just like in the assembly lines, it does not stop. And if you stop the line... Oh, mm. that's what everybody hears about it. <laughs> well, and that's I'm I'm glad you brought that up about the automation aspect because I, I I feel like it's it's probable that we're potentially overthinking it if we go down that road too much. You know about like why would this particular? I, my guess is it's you know it's it's just it's a way for you to sort of be immersed in this this imperial style prison where you know like look at how they're treated and, and they're not treated like human beings and, and all this kind of stuff because there was, I was a little stuck there for a little bit. Cause I'm like, why would like they have droid? This is a place that's, you know, they have droid factories, you know, in this, in this galaxy. Like why droids building droids, right? Droids building droids. Like why in the world would you need, you know, dudes in a, in a room putting this together, but it might just be as simple as, you know, it's something that can be used as punishment or, you know, and how many people think that these parts are going to the Death Star? Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> who knows what's on that thing? What was, what it was like Kinex Dex, you know, Death yes. Star. That's what it looked like. <laughs> Josh, what were you? What were you saying? Oh, it's definitely something that the Empire has just been doing in general, though. Like we saw it in Rebels as well, with them using human mm. human labor, regardless, right. it's just a way to make ends meet. Because I'm guessing if like you are trying to manufacture so many things at once, it's not going to be like worth you cost the cost of it of building like a whole infrastructure just to automate everything. Hmm. I'm surprised we didn't see any Wookiee slaves yet. Right. That yeah, was there was, the big were they, thing. they were the all Wookie human slaves. in there, weren't they? In that room, I think. That's something I, I think. Um, I think Angela brought this up a while back or I was, you know, we were talking about. There's very few aliens in this show, and I wonder why that is, because I know, you know, there's the whole thing about the the emperor's sort of uh, prejudice against, you know, certain alien species and stuff, you know, in in some of the the, uh, at least in the legend stuff. But I I don't know how much that was ever formally established. Like you don't see non-human stormtroopers, you know, or imperial officers and all that. But. But like in. In prison, like we saw some aliens on the beach, you know, but I, I wonder, I don't know if you guys have heard anything about that or if you have any thoughts on why, you know, did, <laughs> the, the, they used up the budget and didn't have enough for like costumes. I don't think it's that. I don't know. I kind of think it is that. I think it might be. <laughs> I just think it's a very <laughs> lower budget um, TV series compared to other ones that they've had where they can't go as extravagant on as many costumes. Well, I noticed that. Back in uh, episode six, when they're about when they're fighting the doing the heist, mm-hmm. you could see tumblers and things that they were that they had, you know, that we would use today. That back in the seventies, they didn't have the the insulated tumblers that are you know everybody does up now with art mm-hmm. and stuff on there. They had those, and you know the the guys in the that were about to they were camping basically and they had some that were all beat up and then they cut to the Imperials inside the garrison and theirs are all pretty, but they're, they're exactly what you can go buy at the store today. <laughs> and, and the clothes and stuff were very similar to what people are wearing t- 
today. I thought that was pretty interesting. Well, that, Cassian's that, shoes, like when they all kicked their shoes off, I was like, that's nothing particularly Star Wars-y about the shoes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I noticed that a lot, especially in that episode, uh, episode six. So the, I um, think Joshua's on to something. The guards' boots, you know, of course, are another story. But I think they're just ski boots, kind of, you know, done up, which was cool. Um, I did, I, I forgot to mention just with the, um, and Catherine, you mentioned this, just with the pristine look of the prison. I, I was really struck by that for some reason. And I, I, I'm just going to make a guess and pitch it to you guys to see if you have any thoughts too. But it just, it strikes me as like a real... I mean, like the the pristine thing, that's not surprising because everything's always shiny, you know, like the ISB conference room. And, you know, I'm just laughing because I was in a lot of army conference rooms over the time, over the years that were not that nothing ever looked like that. Um, But uh, I don't think anything really looks like that. But we I think just it's like an immediate visual storytelling technique, I I think, of how, you know, this is so, so perfect and smooth and so efficient, you know while you're just completely destroying people's lives left and right like you know that there's um right and wrong eh, it's just all about efficiency um i mean c.s lewis talked about that a lot in some of his books you know that 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 danger you know with plenty of other authors um and you know you see that in a lot of dystopian type you know shows i think of like hunger games the way that the capital is versus everywhere else you know but uh, i don't know the, the fact of being in a prison where it's like just so perfectly clean, like even their cells, you know, and they clean them every day. And I, I wonder about like why, you know, there's such a premium placed on, on even the prison being so perfect while they're, they're so cruel, basically. You know, what, what do you guys think about that? I think, well, I think it goes back to productivity because the, the guy that was showing him his cell was saying, you know, here's your hose for your food. You can have as much as you want because they want us, they want us ready for production. They want us strong and healthy. Mm. So they're not going to limit any of that stuff. So I think it all goes back to production. They're trying to keep the prisoners, you know, air quotes, prisoners as happy as they can. And so that they can get as much production out of them. And if they, if they're just in there, you know, beating them with sticks every day, uh, Mm you know, they're not going to get as much production. They're keeping them in line with that floor, but otherwise, you know, and they're all restricted. That's, that's why I think it's kind of a boiling pot ultimately, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but they're still trying to get the production. I think it's all goes back to production. It's interesting with it being submerged slightly and all the, wall to floor to ceiling are curved it feels Mm. like they could just flush the whole system empty if they needed to Mm. (laughs) so it's like that's like when i saw how clean it was it just oh man it just looked like they're living in a pipe that you know if you don't work out right we're just flushing you down the lake yeah it's a terrifying prospect for sure because <laughs> we know and I wonder, of course, like, you know, we're, we're getting a obviously a, a prison break or some something has to go awry for Cassian to get out. But uh, which might be related to the guy when they're the kind of waiting language. in line that's doing the sign language. Yeah, what do you think that was about? I don't know if we're supposed to just it's just them communicating or is, is, is there some rebel stuff going on there? I think it was just two people trying to communicate from across the floor. I don't know. I don't know. What I, I don't know. Saying. I think it's a conspiracy. I think, mm-hmm. you know, everybody 
is looking around all shifty eyed, kind of like Cassian was on the beach, mm. you know, and that's what got him in trouble. Well, everybody in the room is doing that. Everybody's, you know, side eyeing each other and, you know, trying to see what the boss is doing and all this thing. It's like, that's why I was saying it, it seems like it's a boiling pot and everybody's getting tired of it. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as prison goes, it's, you know, a pretty decent system. You know, you're, you're not getting beaten. You're not having to deal with a lot of that, but you're still same thing every day, you know, having to do all that over and over and over. You get zapped if you don't do good enough. I think, I think that's the seeds of a, of an escape. Well, just like uh, somebody said, um, who was it? There's the one guy who was talking to Cassian who told him, you know, give up hope, give up dreams. They'll keep you here as long as you're useful kind of thing. And then to Mm. see the one guy, as they said, quote unquote, rail himself, you know, like Mm. throwing yourself on the the Mm. rail for an electric train or something like that was kind of like, that was interesting. So it's like, I think the guy felt like it's, that's never going to change. He's never going to get out. Especially after they said that their sentences got doubled. From the PRD Act. Well, and might explain why Kino's a little extra saucy, because it was say, 249 days or something like that. So if his sentence was just recently doubled, like he he was that much closer to be it out and how that's been, you know. But um well, and we of course see I'm I'm skipping over a little bit, but Melchi, you know, one of the we mentioned earlier, you know, of course. Uh, and what's funny is I didn't realize at first, I think I had heard he was gonna be in this, you know, like a couple months ago. Um and it was maybe like halfway through the episode or after they had that little like chat uh, right before the first time the floor goes hot, like his first night in or whatever, that extended kind of conversation just for like 10 or 15 seconds. I think that's when I was like, oh, yeah, that's the guy from Rogue One. You know, he's, he's got a couple scenes in Rogue One. So that's a neat thing to see their connection. And then at the end, when they're around the table, you know, and we're going to jump to some other characters here, too. But just, you know, since we're on the prison, uh, what do you guys think of that transition, how they did that at the end with him now sort of, I, I think, maybe being on the, the path back up from his low point as far as being willing to really for the first time in the show, maybe um, willingly work in a team? Yeah, I didn't notice that really, too, until you mentioned it. It's like, oh, yeah, he did all of a sudden willingly work unless he just kind of figured it out, you know, that you have to do this. And that brings you, sorry, another Shawshank quote. Josh, you're going to have to watch it. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) when they say you got to get busy living or get busy dying, that was like the moment right there. It was like, you have to do this to live. Well, that was, and that was a big jump too, right? Because it was, I didn't know where they were going with it. And all of a sudden it was like, you know, like he's moving. I was like, what was this the next day? And then they put that thing up. What it was like, I only saw it once. It did say like 30 days or 30 shifts later. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, okay. And he's and the he's number in his cell matched that as mm-hmm. well. Yep. It also looks like he won because he wasn't eating out of the tube. He was eating on the plate. Yeah. With the, with the utensils. Right. And I, I, I felt like that's a, a key thing because it's like up till now, he's, it's all been about just survival. And it's true. Like he, what did Skeen say to him, right? You know, you and me, you know, like, don't take the high road. You're just like me. Like, we'll climb over anybody to get out of the hole. But, but this seems, at least in this show, maybe like the first hint that he's willing to change that, you know. And yet now he's in a hole that he has to climb out of. Right. Funny enough. <laughs> I hadn't thought of 
it also seems like he's kind of been complacent in where he's at. I don't know. Mm. Like, I haven't seen him, like, really show anything of wanting to get out of there in those past, in that, like, 30-day change. He's just kind of like, it's another day, you know? Yeah. You know, really it's like he's resigned like to or he's accepted it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'll just stay in here as long as I need to. Well, let me ju- let me jump here real quick to this is a little biased maybe of me, but I don't know, maybe you guys are in the same boat. My personal favorite character, I think, in the show so far is Cyril. Just because I don't know, it just really interests me. So what do you guys like? What were your, your thoughts on sort of where he's at and, and what do you think he might be? You know, what what might be in the future for him in these next few episodes with his his uh, introduction into the ISB you know, sort of investigation here? I see uh, Callus in him. The same thing that happened to Callus and Rebels. Thanks, you know, he uh, I, I think he's getting beat down by the Empire. He keeps trying to help him. He keeps trying to say, I'm doing the right thing. You know, let me help you. And uh, they they just don't want him. You know, he keeps getting rejected over and over and over. And he's stuck in his little cubicle. And uh, Miro basically writes him off, says, mm. you know, stay in your stay in your swim lane. You know, you're you need to do your job and leave leave the rest to us. And so I think future prediction, maybe, maybe it'll turn out differently. But uh, I think he's going to join the rebellion at some point, just like Agent Callus. Well, I'm glad somebody think else that? was thinking that too. I, he's he's ripe to be flipped. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, he like it's like he is a rebel, right? Like he's just been, like he's like you stay here, don't don't you know rock the boat. Just just say that the guy you know the the guys died, you know yada yada. And now he like rebels and goes on the mission, and then he rebels and he's filing false reports to get attention. It's like, and dude. I think it's because he he wants to do what's right, and he right. thinks that following the empire is right. And Mm. the empire keeps rejecting him and telling him, you know, Miro basically told him the same thing his boss on, uh, Morlana one said, just leave this alone, let it go. And so he's seeing, he's starting to see the, the corruption. And so I think he's going to realize that the rebellion is right. And eventually he's going to, you know, like, Catherine said he's gonna he's ripe to flip. I agree with that. Yeah, he's very ambitious in what he wants to do, and as soon as that one gets shut down, he's gonna definitely. I I, I agree. I think he's just gonna switch, and he'll be like, "If you're not gonna use me, then the, Re- the rebels will." Yeah. He definitely what? just wasn't taking anything like that he's been given. Like when Dedra was like, "I'll put in a good word for you," basically at at the office. Like right. he was like that. That's not enough. That's not what I want. He wanted to like. It was definitely like he's like. Here's my resume. Let me get in. You know. Mm. He wanted to be in the ISB, but he's like, no, get out of here. Basically, two two office related things that just jumped in my mind. You know what you guys were saying. I'm laughing so hard because Josh, when you were saying there about you know him not taking just taking that bait, so to speak. Did you ever, if you ever watched the office, like when Dwight's demanding the promotion and he goes down to Florida to confront Robert and Robert's trying to just get out of it. And like, he's like, tries to give him his grandfather's medal from world war two. <laughs> and he's like, no, I don't want that. But then the other thing was, um, this isn't so much, I think with Cyril, well, maybe, I don't know, but, um, office space, you know, the, the classic movie of 25, whatever years ago. Um, 
uh, I feel like when you're the Empire, you you run a real risk of creating Miltons. <laughs> you know, the whole, like, <laughs> yes. just you have all you these people, like, uh, yeah, you're like, oh, maybe I'll just set the building on fire. You know, it's like, you know, the, like the people you're not paying attention to. And, and that's a theme, I think, all throughout, like, you know, the Empire's not paying attention to farm boys from Tatooine. It's not paying attention to scoundrels from Corellia. It's not, you know, um, their security is lax, you know, with with these very people who are going to cause this kind of problem. Um, and I, I feel like as much as I, I'm not the biggest fan as time goes on of the sequel trilogy, I think there is something beautiful in at least the idea of that, that culminating battle of like, you know, what? navy or all of these ships from you know like it's just people <laughs> you know they're like yeah. what are we supposed to do for like it's just like there's plumbers and you know um a true rebellion so um so paying attention to Ularin, <laughs> yeah. not paying attention to miro yes he's sitting there he's like you know what my I'm theory listening. is of what he's reading <laughs> What's that? He's more he's more concerned about what Thrawn is doing for him right now. Oh my gosh. Cuz he's got a much oh, better yeah. hunt going on. <laughs> I know they're saying that no fan service. I just what an amazing like wouldn't it be brilliant to sort of you know here we're getting all this tease about Thrawn coming in in the Ahsoka series. Well, he's you could you could hint at him at least. They already have a little Every bit. time I see Luthien's shop, it's like, why is Thrawn not yes. walking by all that art? <laughs> like, oh, they could just have him like leaving, you know, with something. Yeah. I'm like, yes. You know. So it was some it was it was some just other. Just see a blue you know, hand grabbing something. <laughs> It'll be like a post credit scene or something. Because you know? <laughs> didn't what did you Lauren say? It was something like, you know, you'll have uh, like at your disposal, and you know, all the resources or naval resources, something like that, you know. And, and this mm-hmm. is, you know, just a little, a couple years before Thrawn's appearance in Rebels, you know. So it it fits, but isn't it isn't it the same time? Well, I, I think this well, overlaps. This is, oh, it might. I, f- I forget when. I forget exactly where we are, BBY, when Thrawn shows up in Rebels. But well, I, it's, in, it's around here. It's it's well, he he's around in uh in the books. The books are right. definitely in this time period. Oh, the, yeah. The Zon books. I've been reading yeah. those myself. Well, audiobooks, But uh, yeah, I mean, this all overlaps. Yeah, it, it definitely would fit. Absolutely. And if not this season, certainly next season, as they go through the, these the three, the three episode arcs, they said about like, you know, four years out, three years out, two years out, you know, so um. Yeah, because every I, I time would. they mention a mining operation, that's yeah. what Thrawn and uh, what was his Vanto were working mm, on. Vanto, yeah. Where all the connections with mining operations, right? And all the big metal going to where they were looking at mm, where's the slave labor. So it's like, yeah, right. Well, and then the 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 buildup of the Imperial Navy that they reference in uh, in Mandalorian when the in, you know the Jedi episode. I forget the what's the 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 character's name it's you know like bruce lee's goddaughter or something that played that role um it's, oh, it's starting her name starts with a d i, I just think, knew her as the magistrate the magistrate who fights ahsoka yeah that, that she's you yeah. know she had helped thrawn in that time so yeah there's a lot of potential connections here but uh the um just looking here we, we didn't have a lot i just want to jump over quick to the 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 Ferrix catch-up, because that's a very small part, kind of like Mon Mothma's section. It's not super long. As I mentioned, honestly, the recap, I think at the beginning, pretty much covers it for like Bix and Brasso and, and Marva. Um, but uh, any thoughts you guys wanted to share? And I, I know, um, Jason, you had mentioned an interesting observation about 
kind of the headspace, you know, for um for Vel and Sinta versus uh Luthen and, and uh Clea, that kind of sort of contrast or comparison. Yeah, I noticed a connection in the conversation between Vel and Sinta where one of them was getting emotional, saying, you know, thinking inward about, you know, me and us, you know, how's this going to affect me? How's this going to affect us? And the other one saying, nope, the rebellion comes first. Focus, focus on your mission. If, if you don't focus on your mission, we can't have anything. And, and then they cut to Luthen's shop and he's, he's the one getting emotional. He's like, uh, when he finds out that Bix is trying to contact him, she's you know he's saying, "Hey, we need to talk to her. He, she's going to know." Mm-hmm. And his partner saying, "No, she's calling us to ask right. where he's at." <laughs> you right. know, you're getting emotional. You're worried about you. You're worried about your name getting caught. You paid him. Leave him alone. Let mm-hmm. it be. You know. Well, if. I think just let Vel and Senta do their job is what is what she's saying. But there was one person in both conversations. There was one person getting emotional, worried about me, me, me. And the other one saying cause first. Mm. I felt like Senta got in the jab. When she asked, like, you know, how did you say that you needed this room? And about saying that she was uh, a rich girl running. Hmm. And the fact that we had just seen Vel decked out to the nines on Coruscant. And it was like, that felt like that was just like a dig right at, Mm. maybe Vel came from some money. Mm. (laughs) And so it's like, oh, that was an interesting little jab. Well, and it's, it's interesting because the, (laughs) I don't, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Cause Vel, you know, like there's, there's kind of this, like this search, of course, obviously for, for Andor that, I mean, they're at least open to. Uh, as, as Clea said, you know, like they're pretty clear, like if you are in a position where you can take him out, do it, which is not exactly different from when uh, I forget the character's name. But when they're going out on the mission in Rogue One to to find um, uh, Galen Urso, right? You know, and he's like, forget what you heard in there. If you find him, <laughs> like you take him out. It's too big of a deal. And so because um, that gets back to what you said earlier, Catherine, I want to throw this out there that, you know, with as far as Cassian and his character. Uh, you know, like you want to, they want you to feel sorry for him. You know, he's this, this sort of sympathetic character, but it's, I think it's, it's at least where we were introduced to him in Rogue One. Like I, even then, like, you know, he kills a guy, you know, t- so that he can escape. And um, uh, he's definitely this shady character. It seems to me that really the the turning point for him in his character arc, and they can fill in stuff along the way, the turning character or turning point for him seems to be, when he chooses not to shoot Galen Urso, you know, which is pretty late in the game. And, you know, if it's this world, uh, the Lord just needs you to, to repent at some point. But, um, I guess I'm, what I'm asking is with, uh, this hunt for him, do you think we're going to see something similar where there's maybe a chance for that's speculation, but a chance for Vel or for Cinta to, to take Cassian out, but there's this change of heart or, or something happens where they, they, see that he can kind of you know be useful to them after all i feel like cinta when they were on uh eldani she seemed like very sympathetic to him mm. to the point that it drove vel nuts <laughs> and uh it was interesting because i feel like if she had the chance 
she would talk to him first. I don't think she'd shoot mm. first. And then I also, it just came to me now because of all the drops with Luthen and his mm-hmm. super secret that he has. Yeah. That I feel like, um, is it Clea? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, um, or Clea. Clea trying to protect him and to protect whatever his secret is. Because to me, he talks about, you know, I've, you know, I've been uh, hiding for too long. And yeah. then what else did he say? Oh, he said well, he I'm reveals coward. to Saw, too. Right. When he's talking to Saw. Yeah. But it was funny because I noticed the last couple of times whenever he talks about this secret of his, if you look at the background in his shop, most of the time you see the Jedi and Sith holocron on the shelf behind him. I didn't notice that. Shame on me. <laughs> I, I rewound it a couple times going, no yeah. way that really is. And it was just like, okay. And being saying that he's a coward, that, you know, it's like, isn't that what uh, Caden Jarrus felt like when he Well, and he's got that, uh, you, you think... You think that uh, Kyber crystal came out of his old lightsaber or something? Or Or he killed a Jedi and took it or not? (laughs) That's what everybody's wondering. Is he he a Jedi or run away? Or he could be a, uh, he could have been a temple guard because he's got a mask in his shop. He does. I have seen that. Did you guys, by the way, see the thing about the, uh, the, the spoil? I love little Easter eggs. The, uh, the, the stones from temple of doom. On the I shelf behind him, because <laughs> there's the whole you know the whole thing of like you know the 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 crossover between you know Indiana Jones and Star Wars over the years because I forget which one it is where like three PO and R two D two are like etched on the wall somewhere where Indy's walking around it looks like an old hieroglyphic <laughs> thing or something but yeah just someone pointed that out and I had to go and look at the picture I'm like oh yeah those are like the orange stone things you know are like up on the shelf behind Luthen. Maybe why that's not? why his office seems so 1940s. It's and very, even the yeah, way yeah. she was dressed, it just right. it felt like you were in like the uh, the school in in yeah. Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> well, they did the same thing in Rise of Skywalker with John Williams as the bartender. You know, and the stuff behind him is all flair from like his movies that he did the music for and stuff. Like it's just fun. But oh my gosh, yeah, he's Luthen's probably the character I'm most curious about. I uh, um. Yeah, I know probably everybody too, because like just yeah, who is well, who even, is this guy? Even Saw was like, what was yeah. the angle basically? Like, what, right. Why are you why are you doing this? Like, what's going on here? Because Saw was like, there's the separatist group, there's the neo republican mm. group, there's the partisan groups. Everybody right. has their own reason for rebelling right now. Saw yeah. thinks he's the best, but that's besides the point. Right. It's just, <laughs> Luthen just wants to be the person, I guess, in the middle of them all. He wants to be the one yeah. to get them all together to be able to like have a one rebellion versus having all these separate groups just fighting their own battles. He's got like a strange one. way of going about it, though. Right. <laughs> he does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I what I picked up on that conversation was that Luthen's wanting a, a united front where saw is like no man we got to do this on our own you do your you do yours i'll do mine and it'll work out mm-hmm. whereas luthan and i think mon mothma is in the same boat just in a different realm you know the political realm they want to bring it all together right well and you think like at the end of rogue one when uh Jin tries 
and fails, you know, to, to get them on board to like, collectively go attack Scarif, which, of course, then they eventually do, or at least most of them. But you see, like, that's that's like, you know, five years forward from now in the rebellion. And they're already like and they're still rather, you know, not quite clicking as much as they need to. So I think this this works to back up and say, OK, but like, how did they even get connected in the first place? <laughs> when You know, they don't have any sort of. Well, he says earlier at right, the network, you know, the network is up, as he says to Mon Mothma, but it's just recently up. You get the impression. So, um, yeah. Huh. Well, um, I'm just checking my notes here. Was there is there anything else just, you know, that you guys in particular wanted to, you know, focus in on or, or uh, unpack a little bit here? What about the interrogation on Ferrix? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so what's that guy's name? Um, I can't remember the um, Bix's friend, the, the guy that's um, Brad, I have here somewhere. No. Um, Pack Salmon. Pack. Pack. Yeah. It's the because oh, the, right, the one son, that was being interrogated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Interesting. I I don't know if she's gonna go for a. Uh, not exactly a good cop, bad cop, but you know, like like because they're didn't they try and again I I I only saw it the one time, but when they were about to take him out, didn't she like, she specifically Miro specifically told them to leave him there for a second. So that yeah. Bix would see him. Yeah, right. Yeah, she said, leave him there. And then she got all mad at the same guy. She told to leave him, get, get right. him out of here. What, yeah, are, what you are you doing? doing? Yeah. He's like staring at her. What are you talking about? It's like the guys <laughs> in the prison you mentioned earlier. Like, what, what do you want me to do? <laughs> <Don't> stop? <laughs> yeah. So why Mira do you think they reminds me of, uh, Miro reminds me of governor price. Yeah. A very yeah. angry yeah. woman. <laughs> right. And just she, out to prove herself. It's just, yeah, very vicious. Which, was it a, um, wasn't it a, which Timothy Zahn book? Was it one of the Thrawn books where they really They gave her backstory. her character? I forget yeah. which one it was. Yeah, it was one of the, the Thrawn first, books. That's right. the first yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But then you really see how vindictive and vicious she is in Rebels. And yeah. again, with mm-hmm. torturing, you know, just being, taking pleasure in it, it was just like, wow. <laughs> well, I, Miro, I don't really, I feel like I get Cyril more than I get her in, term, in terms of just like, you know, my guess on some of their motivation. I, she's definitely trying to make a name for herself in the ISB. I don't know if it needs to go deeper than that, you know, if, if there's much more of a backstory that's needed. But um, what what do you think she is? Do you have any guesses on her tactic here with that interrogation? I think she's just gonna, trying to get the information and she's going to she's got to beat it out of them. She will. Well, I, I meant just specifically like why she wanted Bix to see that, but then to hear her trying to like, you know, clean it up or something like that. I don't know if. I didn't quite catch. I'm going to need to rewatch that if that like made it more intimidating. I, or... I think it's just, in, yeah, it's intimidation. You yeah. know, hopefully she does. She'll start talking right away if she sees what's happened to the other guy. I, I, <laughs> I do have to laugh a little bit with, uh, not because interrogation's funny, but the, uh, um, the methods, you know, my, my brother actually was, um, an army interrogator and, the it gets kind of a bad rap recently just because you see in movies and stuff it's usually the flip the tables or you know like do the torture or whatever but this the psychological the incredibly profound and wide-ranging 
uh, things that they teach you to sort of observe and how to like which method to use on which person, you know, and, and you know, either build up somebody's confidence or breaks. It, it's really fascinating, you know, sort of psychology behind it. Um, like, uh, um, agent Smith in the matrix with the, the big dossier, just like flipping through it, you know, like that, that's one. But, um, I love though, I think my favorite interrogation scene ever is, um, Steve Martin in the pink Panther, <laughs> like doing both good cop and bad cop, <laughs> like himself, just like le- leaving the room angrily and coming right back in like cigarette, you know, sorry, <laughs> that would definitely, uh, reduce the, the sort of grittiness of, of Andor if they, if she pulls something like that. So <laughs> But I don't really know what Bix will give up, though, because Bix doesn't know anything, right? Like, she right. doesn't. She's trying know to where find Cassie herself. Went. Yeah. Right. But does Bix know Luthen? Yes. Enough? Oh, well, yes, she does. Well, no, she does she said, know his name? She has a contact with him, and she knew how to contact him until they cut it off. But that's all she really had. Did she know his name? I don't remember. I'd have to go back and look if she ever used it. I think she just called him, like, a supplier of sorts. Right. Yeah, she said in the in the episode where she was meeting, getting Cassie into meet, that she right. contacts him, and sometimes she gets a response. That's well, it. she obviously she knows what he looks like. It sounds like, and you know they're walking together on the streets and stuff. So, I, which I don't know if that's a little silly of me to like. I, I mean, I couldn't help but think like, do they? So the galaxy far, far away. We have lightsabers. We have Death Stars. We have lasers. We don't have security cameras. <laughs> Like every one of these characters did everything they did completely in, you know, like with no mask on or anything like, you know, you can't run back, you know, Aldani, like everybody involved in all of this. There's no, they no have security the great hollow of Andor. <laughs> right? how, how do they not recognize him? Doesn't why, why wouldn't they go, yeah. hey, hold that up next to him. Look at that likeness. That's because they they're, said they're that different. about. That's cute. Yeah. But they said that about Bix. <laughs> When they, right. when they called out Bix, he's like, oh, either this is you or an Just incredible like, likeness. Yeah. So right. he's like, okay. <laughs> Keith Gergo. I'm still, <laughs> I swear we're, uh, we're, we're, we're populating a uh, saltwater tank. We got a saltwater aquarium. I think the next fish we buy, I've got to name him Keith. <laughs> 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 Keith's Reef. There's a, <laughs> some, some alliteration there. Well, do you guys, uh, anything else you guys just want to share here or your sort of final thoughts on uh, this episode or hopes for next week? Anything like that? I'd love to see Marva get back into more action. It sort of alluded to her. Yeah. She's trying to still cause a fight on Ferex, but I don't know. I'd love to see her have one last fight. But she's definitely getting up there and she's not able to do as much anymore. And she's like, she's still trying to have the rebellion come in and help. And it also just shows another another angle mm. of some other person who wants the Empire gone. Jason, Catherine, how about you guys? I'm ready to see how the... I've heard that the this is going to be a three-episode arc from episodes mm. 8, 9, and 10. So, And then the last arc will be episodes 11 and 12. So I'm thinking it's going to be one of those, maybe not a filler episode, but kind of explaining the uh more of the backstory of how the the prison break's going to happen i bet we don't see mm-hmm. that until episode 10 so yeah but i'm ready to see how that all plays out how about you Catherine? this could be interesting i mean that this the show's been growing on me it's not been easy to watch and 
I'll admit now there's times when even listening to the podcast, I'm like yelling, no, <laughs> don't agree with that. <laughs> but yeah, That's so I, I feel like I feel like the rebel here now because I'm just like going, no, I don't think so. I don't know. There's too much of it that just is it's too real sometimes. Mm. And I just I need Star Wars to be Star Wars. It's my childhood fairy tale from when I was mm. eight years old, standing in line to see the first movie. So it's like, don't well, don't mess with it. Don't mess with my stories. <laughs> well, and I, I don't know. I think you commented in the um, in Slack when we were talking about it. We're we're holding off for all the listeners and uh, to this. We are going to discuss Tales of the Jedi, but we're going to do that as a sort of a, a set. I think uh, after we do the Endor breakdown, um, uh, once we have a little lull maybe in there between uh the end of andor and the beginning of um uh bad batch i guess i think is the next up june january 4th i think that comes out um so we we will be discussing that but the reason i bring it up is oh man that dropped and i watched and i just like i and i am i'm enjoying andor personally but but when i'm watching tales of the jedi and i'm like dave filoni star wars i just it's just something (laughs) there's something extra special i don't know that's just uh i don't know it's a little different but but uh, yeah, so this is um, this is uh, going to be an interesting journey here as this uh, this season comes to an end. So uh, so that's it from us for this week. Uh, listeners, what did you think of this episode of Andor? Please let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear your take. You can email us any feedback at Star Wars at SQPN dot com or visit the Star Quest Discord community. It's SQPN dot com slash discord. You can also find Star Quest on Facebook at Facebook dot com slash Star Quest Media and on Twitter at SQPN. Previous episodes of The Secrets of Star Wars can be found by visiting SQPN dot com slash Star Wars. We'd also like to take a moment to thank our Secrets of Star Wars patrons, including Cheryl F, Patricia S. Evgeny G, Dixie P, and Father Terrence D. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Wars and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Last but not least, be sure to follow The Secrets of Star Wars and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, your favorite podcast app, or on SQPN, uh, the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should hit the bell get notifications. We'd really appreciate if you give us a, a review over there as well on Apple uh, Podcasts and just share this really far and wide with everybody. Helps get the community growing and we can reach more listeners that way. And uh, you can also share with them the link to our merch, right? So sqpn.com slash merch i'm planning on visiting there myself as christmas season is is approaching so mostly just for stuff for myself i'm just kidding no <laughs> i don't know if it's a little self-serving to to buy family members a a t-shirt that has a cartoon that includes a, a cartoon version of me on it i don't know it's, but we got a lot of good stuff over there so uh so we'll be back next week to unpack Andor season one episode nine so mark your calendars because you'll definitely not want to miss it so until next time jason ug thank you so much for joining me and sharing in the secrets of Star Wars. It was my pleasure. And Josh Bigley, thank you as well. I was happy to be here. And last but not least, and another introduction again to you, and thank you, uh, Catherine, for joining us. Yes, this is wonderful. All right. Well, until next time, thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World. Find the show wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash mysterious.